Welcome to the Manifestation Bay podcast. My name is Katherine Zinkina, and I'm a manifestation expert, master mindset coach, and multiple seven-figure entrepreneur. I'm obsessed with helping you achieve everything that you once thought was impossible. If you're looking to massively up-level your life, your finances, your relationships, your productivity and success, then you have come to the right place. My goal in this podcast is to help you see the infinite potential within yourself to be, do, and have anything that your heart desires. Think of this podcast as your weekly dose of mindset development to help you maximize who you are and where you're going. Leave it to me to provide you with the tools, the resources, the strategies, and teachings that you need to manifest a reality wilder than your wildest dreams. I know we're about to have so much fun together, so thank you so much for pushing play today, and now let's begin. If you've been wanting to master the art of manifesting money and cultivate a lighter, more enjoyable, more feminine, and dare I say, pleasurable approach to creating more money in your life, look no further because Sovereign Money is about to relaunch in just a couple of days. In fact, it opens up on Monday, May 20th, which is literally just around the corner. And this launch, I am doing something that I've never done before for everyone who gets on the wait list. I am giving you $100 off of your enrollment into Sovereign Money, and I'm opening the doors one day early with that $100 off special. This is only available to those who get on the waitlist before Sunday the 19th, and it will expire once we launch to the public on May 20th. Don't wait. You can get on the waitlist right now by going to manifestationbabe.com slash SM. That's S as in sovereign, M as in money. Again, that's manifestationbabe.com slash SM for that $100 off of your enrollment into sovereign money. Hello, gorgeous souls, and welcome back to the Manifestation Babe podcast. Today, I have a special guest here with me, again, virtually, of course, Savvy Kerr. Savvy is someone I met actually in beautiful Bali back in 2019 at my own retreat where Savvy was our yoga instructor. Savvy is someone whose beautiful energy just exudes love and compassion, and every single one of my retreat attendees fell in love with her, and I know you will fall in love with her too. And here's some really important things that she wants to share with you guys today. Uh, Savvy Kerr is a self-love expert, self-love coach, and yoga teacher. She guides women to fall deeper in love with themselves and release the blocks that they have to feeling worthy so that they can create magical lives full of passion and purpose. Through one-on-one coaching, workshops, yoga, retreats, and group programs, Savvy's mission is to guide as many people as possible back to their natural essence, a place of deep self-love, self-acceptance, and joy. Sabi, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today and sharing your work, your time, and your energy with us. How are you doing today? Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really excited to, to, be, to be here to talk with you. It's been a while since we last saw each other, so super excited. <laughs> I know. I'm so excited. And you are tuning all the way in from the UK right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in London at the moment. Which is awesome. Um, let's just start off with, can you just tell us what it is that you do, how you got started? I know you're multi-passionate and have like a fascinating history with how you got on your journey. And more importantly, like why you do what it is that you do. 
Hmm. So I'm a self-love coach and among many things, I always say these are just labels. I'm a yoga teacher. I'm a dancer. I'm a human. I'm a friend, all of the things. Um, but for me, self-love really is the, the glue that ties everything together. And I, I guide women to fall deeper in love with themselves because that is the space from which everything else starts. You know, whatever it is that you desire, whatever it is that you want to manifest, it starts from feeling like you're fully, deeply worthy of that thing, but also worthy just as you are right now. Um, so it really is, it's such a beautiful place to, to guide women to, to feel that, to know that they don't need to be fixed. They don't need to completely change. Um, and yeah, it just brings me so much joy um, to, to work with people, to allow them to experience what that can, can feel like. Amazing. And how did you get started with this? I know that you didn't come out the womb of self-love. Yeah, yeah, totally. Give a little bit of a journey, like as far back as you want to go, as far back as relevant. How did this, how did your journey interweave into what it is that you're doing today? And how the hell did you get to Bali? Is another question. That's a really, it's a good question because actually the different things that I've done are such an important part of my journey. I've I've always been quite multi-passionate. Um, I've always liked to explore. I was super academic at, uh, at school and I kind of, but I also loved dancing and I was like, do I go and study something really, really academic at university or do I dance? I did a bit of both. I did a short dance course at a college. Then I went to university and studied economics. Um, like one of the, one of, one of the top unis in the UK. So I'd, I've always had this like, do I, shall I, shall I try out this thing? Shall I try out that thing? And I think a big rule for my life is to follow your, your curiosity. And mm. uh, whenever I feel that, like tap on my shoulder, that's like, that feels right. There's something there. And um, then I know, then I know I need to explore it. So I studied economics at university, um, did many, many other things before getting to where I am now. Um, I'm a qualified primary school teacher. So I taught in schools in London for wow yeah 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 and I um this is kind of all along the way to like finding what is it that I really want to do what is it that feels right I worked in management consulting for a little while so for one of the big four professional services firms just for a little while I was like okay this isn't for me I think I left (laughs) after seven or eight months and that was a job that you know everyone thinks is like oh my god that's the best job in the world um but it just wasn't right for me um what else I spent some time working as a dancer so very these all feel like very different things to other people right dancer management consultant primary school teacher I then um explored setting up a really a small business in dance events where I um led kids for their dance birthday parties I taught wedding dance lessons that was my first experience kind of creating a small business um then I fell in love with yoga went to India, did my first yoga teacher training. Um, and the more I got into self-development and spirituality, I realized I wanted to work with people one-to-one, um, which is why I started coaching. Um, and I did, a, I did a diploma in transformational coaching. I did a lot of work on myself as well. Um, so that's kind of the, the career journey. And it's funny because for a lot of people, they're like, so many different things. <laughs> um, but I see that we are all... Like we're not just one thing, you know, all of those different experiences that I've had are all different parts of me. Um, and it's been a really important part of my process to allow all of the different parts of me to, to be seen and to be expressed. 
Um, and nothing is ever wasted. You know, all of those experiences help me so much with what I do right now, actually. Mm, yeah. Teaching seven-year-olds <laughs> is like the biggest, like, oh my God, like so many of the things that I feel like I'm good at now are because I had that experience teaching, teaching kids. You because know? we're all seven-year-olds at heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So holding space for adults now is so easy. You know, if you can, if you can like teach 30 kids in London, 37 year olds, then you're like, you can, you can teach anyone. Um, So yeah, so I just feel like every experience is an unfolding onto the next. And that's why I always say when people get so stressed out about like, what's my purpose? What's my like one thing that I've got to do right now? It's like, take some of the pressure off and follow what you feel is right. Follow that path on the shoulder of like something interesting to explore there. And maybe you explore and it's not right. That's okay. He's like, you know, you've explored it. Like what's the next thing? Um, and so that's kind of been my, my journey up, up till, up till now. So I, I love that. How did you make it to Bali though? I'm super oh, yeah. I, I missed that question because that's um, where we met and that's where yeah. you were a yoga instructor so that's why I just yeah. wanted to hear yeah totally, totally so yeah so up until Bali um I was in London and I was teaching yoga and I was just starting coaching um and my partner at the time was wanted to come to Bali um and he asked me would you like like to come and I was kind of like um well why not <laughs> it was very much uh, like it, it was very much uh, this would be silly not to go yeah this would be silly not not to try it out you know London I love London um but London will always be here and I can always do the things the things that I was doing then in London I knew I could always go back to them if if Bali didn't work out um and I think that's what I always ask myself as well when you're trying to make decisions that feel big like what's what's either what's the worst that could happen or like why why not like what's the what's the why not and for me there wasn't really a why not <laughs> um so yeah I just was like okay let's let's do this thing so I and I ended up living there for over over a year over a year and then COVID's so I'm kind of back in London for a little bit and I'll see where I'll go after that so yeah and that was an incredible incredible experience living there amazing so uh, you know, coaching for you and yoga, is this something, do you feel like, do you feel like your journey is going to take you elsewhere after this? Or do you feel like you kind of found the thing where you're like, wow, I think like, I think the universe built me for this and I'm going to stick in here. Maybe it's going to look different in a couple mm-hmm. years. You know, you never know how things are going to change and how you're going to change and evolve. But like, how do you currently feel about what you're doing today versus what you were doing before with all the various different professions that you were yeah. in? I'm just curious to hear. Yeah, that's a really beautiful question. I think I feel way more compared to, you know, when I was a school teacher or management consulting or even like I, I feel way more like this really feels like me now like this feels real this really really feels like me um you know I get signs I'm like this is this is right when you feel like you're making a really positive impact um and also it feels like a really incredible way to use all of my skills because I can use my my teaching skills and I can use my dance background because I, I teach dance classes as well sometimes in the self-love space, which has been really beautiful. So I'm able to use lots of my different kind of skills in my current work, which feels incredible. Um, that being said, I never want to restrict myself to like, I have to do this forever. 
Yeah. So I'm like, I'm open. If at some point it doesn't feel right and something else feels more right, then like, okay, you know, um, let's see. Yeah. <laughs> for now, for now, this feels good. Good. I'm just super curious. What do you think? what do you think gets people to restrict themselves when it comes to like what it is that they do with their life? Because I see this struggle a lot, um, especially with my um, female entrepreneurs that I serve. They are so ashamed of being multi-passionate where they feel like it is something that's hindering their success because we're, we're taught that like, you got to find your one thing. And I am all about finding you know your niche and really serving your niche. But I also think that like, the illusion that you have to pick this one niche and stay in this niche forever is a little delusional. And we as human beings, as Sabi mentioned, which is so beautiful, like we're, we're human beings. There's so many different parts to us. We're not just this one thing. I'm curious, like, you know, for the women who are struggling right now, who are like, but I love this and I love this and I love this and I love this. Like, what is some of your advice to help them kind of like feel normal and, and what should they do with all of the various things that they're passionate about? Mm, yeah, I think it, sometimes it's a genuine, I have all of these things that I love. And I think sometimes people also use that as a bit of an excuse to not actually get started with anything. Uh-huh. I see that quite, I see, I see that quite a lot. Um, that, that feeling of I'm stuck because I just don't really know which way to go. Um, isn't always I'm stuck. Sometimes it's I'm actually avoiding having to like avoiding elevating myself to the next level. Um, so sometimes it can it's it's a like obviously on the subconscious level a mechanism to kind of keep you where you are. Um, not all of the time, but I do see that sometimes. Um, otherwise, I think it's just scary to pick one thing when you have many different passions and things that you like to do. What I have noticed in myself is I was really, really, so this is just on a personal level. I remember when I was um, wanting to get more specific with my niche. So in the UK, we pronounce it niche um, in in coaching. Um, Yeah. For anyone that's American, it's like, huh? What did she say? (laughs) I have had so many like funny arguments, like not actual arguments with people because I was um, promoting a program for my mentor and um, it's called nail your, well, I call it nail your niche. And then like half of us are calling it niche. Half of us are calling it niche. And I'm like, it's, yeah. niche. <laughs> it's niche. So I don't really care what you call it. Like uh, it's not about what you, love it, about what you do with it. Yeah, totally. So I was um, in a kind of a stumbling block with getting specific with what my niche was in, in, in the coaching world. Cause I just wanted to be able to help everyone. <laughs> I wanted to be able to help everyone, and wanted to be. I, I knew I wanted to, you know, focus more, help work with women more, but I didn't really know what thing. And as I decided, or just realized that everything that I was helping women with really was to do with self love. Like mm-hmm. really, that that was the kind of the glue that linked all of the things I was doing together. And as I got more specific, okay, I'm going to focus on self love. That actually then started to open things up. Like, okay, I'm I'm a self-love coach and I guide women to love themselves, to feel deeply worthy of their desires so that they can, you know, have the relationship, the the, the career they love, the business. Um, But then once I got more specific with my niche, I was actually able to use all of my different skills. I'm still able to teach yoga because yoga is a massive 
part of self-love still. Yeah. I, I teach a lot and teaching is a big part of one of my, you know, older skills. As I mentioned before, I was a school teacher. I'm starting to teach dance a lot more within like, as because it's such an incredible way to help women like feel really worthy and empowered. Um, and so I just realized I'm able to use so many of my different passions the more actually specific I got with my niche, um, which was really interesting for me. So I think um, like you never know what might happen when you get more specific. And also you can change, you know, like th- things aren't fixed. If it doesn't work, like that's okay. I think we get so stuck because we're like, if I choose that fit, like I'm done. <laughs> but it's not always the case. And we're so afraid of something that is counterintuitively helping us. It's like, Mm -hmm. this is the thing. If you just go into that cave that you're so afraid of going into, you'll find that it's not actually a cave, but a passageway to like this big open meadow on the other side. I don't know. I don't know if that metaphor made sense, but that's how I just see it. It's like it opens you up to a whole new world where you're like, wait a second, everything that has ever happened to me in my life, every single occupation or even job, like I, I attribute my nine to five that I got when I moved to LA and I was on my grandma's couch to being like an expert on getting anything done on the phone because I was on the phone. I was a receptionist on the phone 24 seven. Well, from 9am to 6pm every day, Monday through Friday. And I used to be so afraid of talking to people on the phone. I could talk to you in person. I could talk to you via text, but as a phone call, it ain't going to happen. And for some reason, you know, maybe it's like a story around like introverts aren't good on the phone. I had to force myself to be, to be the the best person I could possibly be on the phone to talk to these doctors Mm -hmm. and hospitals and whatever. And it's just so interesting. Like we often forget that everything, even what we're doing right now, even if it feels like, you know, for Savvy and for me, it feels like so part of our purpose and so part of like what is most in alignment with us. How do we know? Who are we to say that this is not actually preparing us for something even bigger? Yeah. Right? It's and so how exciting fascinating. That? That's like, I know. So exciting. like, oh my God, I love what I'm doing now. Imagine if this is like in preparation for the next step. That next step is going to be incredible. Yes. Yeah, love oh my that. God. So, Sabi, you are just as big on um, manifestation as I am, and you talk a lot about the big link between self-love and how it relates to manifestation. Can you Mm -hmm. dive into what that link is and how it shows up and how we can basically make it work for us in our lives and manifesting Mm -hmm. our dream life? Yeah, that's, yeah, I love this. And it's, I think it's it's often a missing step or something that people forget about. Um, but it's really, for me, it's like, if you don't feel fully worthy of what you're desiring, how can you actually believe that that thing is possible for you? Because, you know, to, to believe that whatever it is that you want to manifest is possible to really believe it, like you've got to feel worthy of that thing. Um, so for me, that's the link. And then if you think about this idea of having to be in the energy of what you're calling in, that is really, that's self-love for me, like being the one you're looking for. If you think if like, I'll give you know the example of a relationship, you're really desiring a partner, um, starting from the place of can you be, rather than I just want the partner, all of those qualities that you're desiring in that partner, can you work on being that for you? Like, for you, for you, from a place of self-love, can you get into the energy of those things that you're desiring, like for you, um, look at the, all of the qualities that you're desiring in a partner, write them all down 
and then take another look at that list and then like start to cross off the ones that you think you also meet right and then any that are left you're like I'm desiring this thing in a partner but I'm not actually being it myself you know mm-hmm. I'm desiring a partner that has really great communication but I'm actually not being it for it myself how can I attract someone that has amazing communication if that's where my stumbling block is because we you know we don't attract what we want we attract what we are we attract the energy that we're vibrating right now and so for me that that's self-love like I need to work on my communication skills in that example for me for me because that's actually going to make me a better human that's actually deepening my my self-love and raising myself up for me and I can for a moment actually forget about that desire of having the partner and work on me for me um and that's the space that we can yes. really be cool in what we desire. That's 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 what I call like the paradox of manifestation. It's like you mm-hmm. have to want it, but like not need it at the same time. It's like mm-hmm. it's a desire in like, this would be awesome, but I'm not desperate for it because everything I want about it, all of the feelings, which most of the desires that we have it's for some sort of a feeling and so if we can give ourselves that feeling and those qualities as savvy said then we don't actually need the man or the woman right then then in that space they actually attract you know something that you just mentioned i talk a lot about um how you know women especially because that's that's my niche too um how we relate to money and how money is a relationship and i just realized you know you're describing all these things and i'm like why do we want money? We want money for safety, for security. We want money for freedom. We want money for joy or whatever it is that money brings to us. Wait a freaking second. We could also work on those things and be that for us. How can we, what can we do to make ourselves feel safe? What can we do to make ourselves feel secure and worthy? And what can we do to give ourselves freedom? It's so fascinating. In that space, then you're like, I have everything. I don't need money. And then in that space of not needing money, that's how you receive money. So mm-hmm. that's just been a light bulb that I just processed that I wanted to share because that's such a, such a great point. Um, what are some of the common blocks that you see women have when it comes to feeling um, worthy of the life that they want to live? And how can they overcome these blocks or at least start the process of overcoming these blocks? Mm, yeah. Super, super important question. Um, you know, a big, big part of my work is looking at the limiting beliefs. I'm sure it's a massive part of your work too. Um, the limiting beliefs that we have that have lived for God knows how long, for years, for decades. Would, would you um, equate um, the blocks as being limiting beliefs? Is that what they are? Or is there a deeper element to it? I feel like a lot of, I mean, not necessarily always, um, mm-hmm. but... I'm, I'm maybe I can think of a specific example I feel like a lot of the time most of the barriers to what we're desiring um can be translated as some kind of limiting belief some kind of belief or thought process that we've been holding on to for a long long time on the subconscious level um because of some kind of most of the time past experience and that hasn't yet been processed that has been held in that we have then acted upon continuously without even realizing. Um, so yeah, for a lot of the women that I work with, um, feeling really worthy of what they're desiring, to feel really worthy of what they're desiring, sorry, it's looking at what, what are those blocks and limiting beliefs that are stopping you from feeling worthy of the partner or feeling worthy of um, 
business success or feeling like it's safe to have the home, whatever it is. And sometimes some, they aren't always, um, I'm just giving examples of external goals. Sometimes yeah. the goals are inner, inner goals of just totally. feeling good, of feeling more joyful. Um, but yeah, a lot of the work is, is on kind of limiting beliefs. And how can we like start that process? Is it awareness? Like, is it going within and just being like, hmm, why is it that I don't believe that I'm worthy of this? Is it just like asking ourselves questions? Is there like a technique? Like what, what is something that you do with your, like, you don't have to give like your whole (laughs) blueprint right now, but just like, how do you start that process just to give um, our listeners something actionable that they can do today in uh, uncovering all of those limiting beliefs? Hmm, yeah. Um, awareness is always a good place to start. <laughs> and I think the reason why so many people don't ever even get to doing this work is because they're not aware that these beliefs have been underneath the surface, ruling the show for their whole life. So absolutely awareness of knowing, oh my goodness, like I don't actually feel safe to have X or I don't feel like I'm worthy of being loved or I, um, it's, too, it's too late for me now to fulfill my dreams, or um, I'm trying to think of some other really, really common ones that come up. Um, you know, at the root of most of these in some kind of way, shape, or form is maybe I'm not enough, or I'm not, I'm, I'm, how I am right now isn't quite enough. Something needs to change. I need to change this one thing before I'll get to that one thing. Um, and I often see the total link between the limiting beliefs that we have in um, relationships to the limiting beliefs that we have in business. That I, I often see that this idea of like the perfectionist, the perfectionism kind of belief of yeah, I'm just waiting to like get my website perfect first, or like I can't do this yet because I'm not ready. Um, and in a relationship, that could look like I I'm not ready to go dating yet because like I need to lose weight first or I need to um something needs to change like I I need to do all of this I need to do work on myself before I start to date again and these are just silly like small examples but right at the root of both of them on the business side and on the kind of relationship side is how I am right now isn't actually totally enough something in me needs to change before I'm ready to do these things and that is getting in our way so yeah that was a long a long way round of saying awareness of what yeah. those limiting beliefs are as a first step. Um, and then after that, start to notice when they show up. So as an actionable thing, um, I like to encourage people to become more aware of their triggers. So as you said, that there's so much work into this, but it's something that your listeners can do like today is take a piece of pen and a paper um, and whenever that limiting belief comes up, notice where the triggering moments are. Um, so say, for example, your listeners, lots of them might be in this kind of work as well. A limiting belief they might have is, um, I'm not as good as her, like that, that manifestation coach, right? Like um, every time they scroll Instagram and see this manifestation coach or this, this person talking about that, that triggers that belief of like, I'm not as good as that. I couldn't do that. So your, your task is to notice those triggering moments. What are the moments in your life that bring up that realization or that, oh, sorry, that limiting belief and start to note all of those different times down. So like scrolling Instagram could be one. Opening up a magazine could be one. 
and looking at your emails could be another. And then when you've got all that long, long, maybe probably long list of triggers, <laughs> you can go into each situation with the awareness that that limiting belief might come up. And when you know that it might come up, you're more able to catch it when it comes, you know, you're more able to catch it and it comes. So it doesn't actually impact you. As, I love as that. I love that. I think triggers are such a great signal from our subconscious mm. mind of like, pay attention, pay attention. It's not an it's not an accident that you're feeling this way. It's not an accident that you like for me when I get triggered, I feel it in the space between my heart and my throat. It's like mm. it's like an energy blockage between my heart and my throat. And I don't know if everyone feels that way, but when I feel some energy just kind of like pierce me, it feels like, I've, I don't think I've ever described this by the way. Like I'm just having like <laughs> downloads through you. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for holding space for these downloads that I'm getting, <laughs> let alone what the downloads you guys are getting listening to this. Like I, it feels like a dagger right here. And whenever I feel that dagger, I don't see it as like, oh, I'm feeling this way for no reason. There's always a reason. And it is not something to be ashamed of. It is not something to create a new belief. Sometimes we have triggers about our triggers, feelings about our feelings, thoughts about our thoughts, beliefs about our beliefs. And that just makes an even bigger mess that we have to uncover. And if you don't add to the mess, you'll be able to go into the original mess and just be like, okay, what is going on here? And really looking at that and seeing that a trigger is just a physical manifestation in the body of inner work that needs to be done around whatever it is, self-love, worthiness, not being enough, um, business, whatever it is. And you know, speaking of triggers and speaking of deep inner work, Sabi, um, I feel so honored to have you on this podcast because I do want to go into some very important things that I know that you have right now on your heart to share in regards to everything that's going on currently in our industry, the wellness, spirituality, manifestation, industry, self-love, whatever you want to call it. And you wrote a very beautiful eye-opening post. You wrote actually two. And for some reason, my brain didn't connect that they're part one and part two. <laughs> I shared one of them, not the, not the first one. But um, you did share two posts um, relating to everything that's going on right now in terms of race and white privilege and white fragility, where you wrote in the quote, um, and I just want to read the quote, white Mm. people in the spiritual and wellness industry, you are part of the problem, but you can also be part of the solution. Um, Can you, and I just want you to speak from personal experience. Like I know Mm. you're not like an expert on anti-racism, but you are a mixed race woman who has experienced your own um, uh, traumas around this. And I was wondering if you can dive a little bit more into like what you see to be the problem and then what you also see just from your own perspective to be the solution for this mm. as well. Yeah. Thank you. And this has been really eye-opening for me. Um, with all of this coming up in the world right now, um, so many different things have been coming up for me. And one of them, this is, I'm actually this is not the answer to your question yet. Um, but one of <laughs> I realized I'm going off track a little. Um, <laughs> one, one, one of the things I've been realizing is this trauma that's been in my body, actually. Um, this, this, you know, on like Monday, Tuesday, I was feeling like pain and achy and like, like really tense in my body in a way like I haven't for a long time. I didn't realize why at first. And then I realized that it was because I've had so many years of like suppressing my voice, you know, not, not really being able to speak about this stuff and feeling a lot of pain and frustration internally 
because if when you speak about race, normally it gets pushed down, right? It gets kind of pushed away. People get defensive. Um, so I've spent so long not being able to speak about it without people getting defensive um, that it's now starting to, you know, the physical manifestation of that is now starting to come out. So that's been like super powerful. Um, so yeah, in the post I was talking about the the problem that we see that I've seen, you know, and experienced as a as a mixed race woman, as my dad's black, my mom's white, um, of always being the only person of color in the room. And not the only, right? I don't want like I I grew up in London, so London's very, very diverse as a city. Um, but within the diverse city, the yoga industry or the spirituality industry is a very, very white world. And it's interesting how quickly I became, I, I kind of got used to that, you know, used to being one of the, the minority in a city, which is actually very diverse. Interesting. Um, yeah, I would go into a, a yoga space um, and there wouldn't be that many people that looked like me and would go to an event, a self-development event, and there wouldn't be that many people that looked like me. Um, I would go to a yoga teacher training and do a training and again. So it was just like in all of these different activities, um, there wouldn't be that many people that looked the way that I looked. Um, and then when I look at things online and I see the pictures and, of events and retreats, it would just be a continuous reminder that there aren't that many people that look like me in this work. And that's kind of it plays out for me on such a such a subconscious level like I almost forget that it's a thing because I've got so used to it mm -hmm. um but the more people I've been speaking to with about it that topic this week I'm, I'm realizing and I'm remembering this is that this is a this is a problem because while it was okay for me like while I was able to still come into this industry there are so many people that think maybe I can't get into yoga. Like they, they wouldn't understand me in that room. I don't think I can go to that event. I wouldn't fit in there. There are no pictures of people that look like me in that yoga teacher training. So yeah, I, I don't think I would fit in. So is this real feeling of like, would I fit in? Would I be accepted there? If I do this training with that teacher, with that coach, would they really understand my life experiences? Um, so that was kind of like a right. We need to talk about this. Mm. We really need to talk about this. And why it's why for me it was such a such a problem in this industry is because this is the industry where we talk about love and light and yeah. possibility, possibility for all, and everyone's welcome. Like this is the industry where we're talking about that, and yet this is the industry that is so white and There's not actually that inclusive. There's mm. such a disconnect between. Yeah front-facing message, but then there's something going on subconsciously that we're not talking mm -hmm. about that for many of us for the first time ever, unfortunately, and that goes to show that white privilege is real, is the fact that we're just talking about this for so many of us. I'm not saying everybody. I know that there's a lot of you that maybe have been doing this work for a long time and have been contributing to the solution in the best way possible. So no one's to blame here in particular, but I would say the majority, it's so interesting. And um, I'm also someone who is, you know, unfortunately like seeing this for the first time. And I've been mentioning, like, I'm, I'm 
doing my best to deal with my own, what they call white guilt, right? Where Mm -hmm. I don't want to, no one needs to hear how guilty I feel and like all of these things. I just want to be part of the solution. And I'm like focusing on like, okay, what's the action steps we can take? And it's so interesting, as you mentioned, like there is such a disconnect between like, we're all love and light and everyone's welcome. And it's all about love and acceptance and you are Mm -hmm. enough and you are worthy, right? We hear that. That's like on Instagram 24 seven, like everybody's worthy, everyone's equal, blah, 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 blah. But it's not manifesting for some reason. And so there are subconscious um, biases or subconscious judgments or subconscious beliefs that are taking place it's, it even goes, I'm telling you, Sabi, you're giving me so many downloads again, because now I'm realizing <laughs> conscious mind is responsible for 95% of your reality. And if these are the beliefs and biases that you have on a subconscious level, of course, this is what's going to show up above your conscious message, above your conscious mm-hmm. decisions, above your conscious, whatever logic that you are, you know, spewing out or writing about or creating or talking about, it's going to be the unconscious stuff that's going to come through. Um, which I never thought of before. Wow. So, mm-hmm. so fascinating. Um, yeah, keep going, <laughs> keep going. Yeah, I, I love that you said that. That is so, that's why this topic is so complex. Yes. Because people have not re- even realized that this was a thing, you know, that people have not even realized that like people just thought being racist was saying a bad word, you know, or like, like people thought that racism was the obvious, aggressive, overt racism. People did not realize that they've been living their lives. And I say people again, I'm generalizing. So, you know, generalization for, for the, for the sake of this chat did not realize that a lot of the ways they've been operating for a long time has been under, um, the system where these beliefs are there. Um, and for me, that's why a lot of, um, yeah, suppressed trauma maybe has come up because it's like this thing, this, all of these things that I knew forever, you know, forever is finally coming to the surface for everybody else. And I haven't been able to, um, speak about it with my white friends without them getting defensive. So years or a lifetime of a white friend saying, no, I don't see color or like, um, no, that didn't happen to you because you're not white. You know, all of these things that people didn't realize were wrong to say, they're now realizing. And so all of those years of conversations where I've tried my hardest to be like, no, don't say that. Um, and then I've realized now, oh my goodness, all those years where I tried to speak gently to people, Mm. um, just so that they would listen and educate themselves. So for me, when I've been feeling frustrated and angry, yeah. I haven't allowed myself to get angry about it. Um, I've tone policed my, my, my voice and my manner and spoken about it really softly so that I hopefully be heard, often wow. not the case. And so years, I, I realized years of um, pushing that stuff down and yeah. now it all coming up to the light. That's been a lot for me personally to kind of process. Yeah, this is so eye-opening. Um, you know, you mentioned like most people think that being racist is like being overtly racist, like you're saying a bad word or this or that. I'm just curious, like how does it show up, you know, um, not necessarily overtly, but what what's the opposite of that? Yeah, and I think so for me, um, lots of this hasn't been overt, you know, because I'm, I'm a mixed race woman, I have paler skin, I haven't had a lot of overt, um, 
really aggressive racism. So for me, lots of people have, and I don't want to downplay anyone that has really struggled yeah. with that. For me, it's been more subtle, but more subtle um, doesn't mean easy, you know? More yeah. subtle means means when people say, no, where are you really from? And I'm like, I'm from London, I'm from the UK. And they're like, but no, no, where really? More subtle is when I'm like, when they say, you look so exotic. And I'm kind of like, yeah, that's, that's kind of nice. Maybe, maybe it's not actually, you know, right. maybe it's me. Sounds a little when backhanded. I, yeah. When I'm at an airport and I get searched and I'm like, and then this doesn't happen all the time, but that question of that white person next to me didn't get searched. Is it random or is it because I'm not white? You know? Mm. So these kind of things, those are just a few examples, but a few these things that go on in the background for like forever right forever without them even being questioned and then when you do pull someone up on them they get so defensive because they don't want to be racist right they get so defensive that you end up shrinking your voice um so actually it's really really deep this topic so deep very very deep and um you know, I'm just curious, like you mentioned, um, you know, you have an ex-partner, right? You interviewed your ex-partner on a live yeah. stream, which I'm going to make yeah. you guys all watch that just so you know, um, on okay. Instagram. but before we go and dive into where you can follow Savvy and everything, um, you know, you, something that stood out to me was for instance, Bali, it's like this spiritual wellness, like Island, right. That it's become mm. For mostly white people. And you were yeah. talking about how you and your ex-partner felt like you were the only two. Um, I know you're mixed race. I don't know what he is, so I don't mm-hmm. want to generalize, but you were the only two like um black people, black yoga instructors on on the island. And I'm just curious, like what what did that feel like for you guys? And like mm-hmm. what was that experience like? And um once again, just kind of bringing it back to like how do you see in your perspective, you know, how can we be part of the solution? Like, what can we do that goes beyond just educating ourselves, going beyond just listening to this podcast? Like, yeah, like some just tangible, actionable things that you see that would make a difference, whatever Mm -hmm. that difference might be. Yeah, thank you. Um, So the first, first bit on being in Bali, um, and yeah, being the only few teachers, it's, it's weirdly how quickly you almost kind of normalize it you know, like, oh yeah, it's just, yeah, this is just how it is. (laughs) Um, But deep down there is a feeling of like, huh, like, why is this how, why is this how it is? So I I realized, and recently more than ever, I realized how tired, how exhausted I was with kind of holding down the fort, you know, with like, why, like, why aren't there more of us? I think it was a, it was tiring, wanting things to kind of change and then they just weren't and it's like this in this exists in this industry because this exists in the world you know this exists in in the self-development industry and yoga because this exists in the world um and it was just a tiring frustrating feeling but I don't think I realized how frustrated I was until these last few weeks yeah stuff has been coming up um so yeah, definitely go watch the the IGTV I did. It's, it's funny, actually. We did the video today. It's very real and raw, very real and raw emotionally, but also his Bali internet is cutting out like in and out. And I think it, I think it adds to the rawness, to be honest, but it's, it's super, super this powerful. This is real life. This is yeah, not it, even it's, my it's, Wi-Fi is cutting out. Yeah. 
was it was so real life. Um, and in terms of action steps, um, you know, there's so many things that can be done. Um, and obviously, I I know you mentioned education, and the reason why that's so important is because if you do all of the things, like, and for example, you're you're doing such a great job already. You want to have more people of color on your podcast, and I know you're, there will be more things that you'll do as well. But what you are doing, which is so important that everyone needs to do first, is actually to start educating yourself. Because if you forget that step and you're just like, yeah, I'll hire some black people. Yeah, I'll have, you know, I'll have some people of color on my podcast. And you don't do the education part. Like, yeah, you, you don't know why you're, why you're doing, doing it. You don't know why you're doing it. And if you don't know why you're doing something, that is not going to be sustainable. At some point, you're going to forget and stop. So like, please educate yourself. And it starts with a book. It starts with a webinar remembering that this is not a one book and you're done thing you know this is like a this is a commitment for the rest of your life and it's it's almost how I talk about self-love you know self-love is not like you're there and you're done and that's it you've got to commit self-love every single day for the rest of your life and learning about a topic as complex as this is so similar it's like you need to commit to learning about this forever and show up for it daily um so education first and then look at yeah, where are you showing up? What platforms do you have? How inclusive are you being? Podcasts, following more people of color in this industry, collaborating, studios, hiring more people of color, um, trainings, and these can be any kind of trainings, yoga teacher trainings, big self-development events, like have a look at your retreats, have a look at your photos and take a look at the photo and see how many black people, how many people of color there are. Um, I was actually a little triggered into this topic because I saw um, uh, some beautiful pictures of someone's retreat and I was like, (laughs) a white person would look at that photo and think, that looks like a beautiful retreat, amazing, amazing place, amazing venue. I looked at that photo and thought, that looks like an amazing retreat, an amazing venue and there are no people that look like me there, (laughs) you know. Yeah. And there, there's no, there's no woman of color. There's, there's not a black woman there. Um, and it's like this additional thought that's, I didn't realize how often it comes up without me really, really, it, it was, it's been there, but I haven't actually noticed it so much and, until now, but it's always been there. Um, so look at those photos, look at who's coming to your events and see how your marketing needs to be shifted. See how you actually need to shift how you present your work and your services to make them more inclusive and I think this is such a complex topic it's not like a here's a list of things things to do right it's not a checklist and like as you're talking I'm like thinking you know how many of our listeners including myself have read books on quantum physics manifestation self-love blah 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 and it's just like you didn't just read one book and so why do you think that just reading one book about this is going to seep in subconsciously on that subconscious level. You guys need that repetition, 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 repetition. And something else that you mentioned, you know, inviting more people of color on the podcast and stages and events and platforms and stuff. And something that I was also thinking about that um, I'm going to take no credit for because I've seen this on the internet (laughs) over this last week. um, But that really stood out to me is also as a white person being an advocate for the black indigenous people of color community where you are um, uh, yourself, when you are being asked to step on a stage or you're being asked to be a part of a brand, like let's say you're an influencer that's going to um, 
influence people to buy like a certain product or you are going on to a podcast or going on a stage or whatever, like also seeing, are they inclusive of people of Mm -hmm. color on their platforms and bringing it up to them being like, are, is it just white people or is, are there going to be, is there going to be more diversity here? And also taking a stand for being like, you know, this looks awesome, but personally for me, it doesn't align with my values to be just another white person in the mix. So therefore I'm going to politely decline. And, um, and for many people, I know that this like fear comes up for like, for a lot, um, of people who are afraid to speak out on this, um, people who are still silent about this, you're afraid of how this is going to make your brand look, or you're afraid of how many friends you're going to lose or how many opportunities you're going to lose. But I promise you, like the universe is going to fucking reward you for this work because the universe is about inclusivity, right? It's, it's people who discriminate. It's the ego that discriminates. And when you operate from the ego and you, when you just operate from this judgmental space, then there's no rewards in it. You're just going to create more of that. And, and you should take a stand for what's right. And, and just so you guys know, like there is no, this work is not to be done for any reward. First and foremost, this works just this work. Like we should have a world where this work, like it it shouldn't even be a thing in the first place, but it is a thing. And so we're going to do our best to dismantle white privilege, dismantle um, racism, dismantle all these things that are creating this world. Um, But like you have to take a stand and you have to take a look at the people that you also surround yourself with and what are they doing to be a part of the, the solution as well? Because, you know, there's that quote that we've all heard a million times. You are the average of the five people you surround yourself the most with. So look at their values around anti-racism as well. That would mm-hmm. definitely be something that I would encourage you guys to um, look at. Sabi, you have a book that you've been recommending. Um, I see that there's a particular book that stands out to you, at least for right now, that you've been um, recommending to your uh, white friends and white followers. What book is that? And why have you chosen to kind of like give people an opportunity to start there with their education? Hmm. I've been recommending the Me and White Supremacy book. And only there's so many books, I'm sure, that are great too. My, My reason with recommending one book is because I know how people work. And if you give them a list of five or 10 different books to read, yes. they're like, ah, oh, yeah, okay, um, maybe maybe tomorrow. Right. If you give them one book and say, please read this, and they've seen that three times, they're like, okay, I'll go and get that book. So that's, what, that's really why I, I said one book, because I'm sure there are other books that are incredible. Um, but I'm, I'm actually reading it myself, um, more for my own education and just to get breaking this topic of white people really so I'm reading it my myself and it's a book that really puts into words all of the things that I've expressed in my wow lived experience um and it puts it into into words so for me it's been eye-opening reading it from my perspective so I I so yeah so I, I know it's a great book but it's not the only book Um, but encouraging people to read a book is better than not at all. Yeah. 
I really, uh, I'm about halfway through that book and I really love it because of all, it started from an Instagram channel, uh, channel challenge that was filled with, um, all of these prompts and prompts are a great way for, you know, for anyone that journals, when you have a journal prompt, it gives you an opportunity to do some self exploration. And I really love the, the book in its format. It's very easy to follow. It's very easy to understand and it's very insightful and it's very, um, um, at times difficult to read in the sense of like, if you're someone who is getting triggered, is getting defensive, doesn't understand, like it's going to push you outside your comfort yeah. zone. But guys, nothing good ever came from your comfort zone anyway. So I also uh, would recommend that book as well. And that's actually the book that I started with. And I'm the type of person who reads a little bit out of every book. Like today, I'm going to read two more chapters in this book. Tomorrow, I'm going to read two more chapters in this book. Um, And so I've been reading like three books at once, but I've made Mm -hmm. the most amount of progress in me. And it's called Me and White Supremacy, for those of you who didn't hear um, the title. And it's by, I can't pronounce the um, author's name. It's Layla sad sod do you know how to pronounce I'm not, it i'm not sure if it's sad or sad okay yeah, it's two s a a d that's why we're confused but um you guys can find it somewhere on the internet and i also recommend you guys looking for um bookstores that are black owned in order to purchase these books just to make your dollars and your efforts in this work go even further than just buying off of amazon um savvy thank you so much for being a part of this conversation like you are such a light to this world and i am so grateful and honored to have you um be a part of this conversation open this dialogue with me so we can so you can inspire people to do this work and I wanted to ask where can people find you where can we learn more about you and your work and your services and all the incredible things that you're doing in this world Hmm, thank you thank you so much for having me firstly it's been such a joy to to chat with you um my platform I'm on mostly is Instagram it's just my name savvy.ker I share lots on there so yeah you can find me there Awesome. So that live stream, even though um, Sabi recorded it this morning, 4 a.m. LA time. So I have not seen it yet. I'm going to go ahead and watch it because it's currently we started this podcast at 9 a.m. And uh, by the time this uploads, you may, um, it may already be down her feed, but go, it's in your IGTV, right? So it'll be in that section. It's in my IGTV. And in my IGTV and, and on my own, my main feed too. Yeah. Perfect. So you guys can find it. Um, and then go look at her posts, go look at her. There's a, um, a story highlight that I'm almost made all the way through. I'm still working through. Um, <laughs> and Love it. any story that Savvy shares or anything like that, you guys are going to get some really good information. And, um, also as you're listening to this, take a screenshot of this episode and tag at Sabi, S-A-B-I dot Kerr, K-E-R-R. And I'm going to put the link in the show notes. So don't worry, you guys. Like if you um, miss a letter or anything like that, it'll take you directly to her Instagram and go ahead and tag her and just send her all the love and support and share with her um, through your tag, the breakthroughs, the aha moments, any downloads that you had. Um, and if you want to share how you're committing to being a part of this solution. Savvy, thank you so much once again for coming on here, for sharing your work, your energy, for joining me in this dialogue around diversity and inclusion in the spiritual and wellness world. And I cannot wait to cross paths with you, whether it's in Bali or UK or US or wherever the hell we meet again. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just so excited to cross paths with you again. Mm, me too. Can't wait. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much. All right, you guys, you heard from Savvy. Go ahead, follow her. You guys, 
take a screenshot, tag her, do all the things, get educated, get the book, do the work. And I will catch you guys in the next episode. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you absolutely loved what you heard today, be sure to share it with me by leaving a review on iTunes so that I can keep the good stuff coming your way. If you aren't already following me on social media, come soak up the extra inspiration on Instagram by following at ManifestationBabe or visiting my website at ManifestationBabe.com. I love and adore you so much and can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. In the meantime, go out there and manifest some magic.